Welcome to the Fantasy F1 Podcast, round three. We're going to Australia. They've changed the track. We changed the car at the beginning of the season. We've seen drivers jumping in and out of different cars over the last couple of years. A lot has changed since the last time that Formula One was in Australia. I mean, actually, the world changed. Last time that Formula One was in Australia, COVID hit. Boom, they canceled the race and everything changed. But guess what? Congratulations. We all made it. We made it. And everything, cross your fingers, is back to normal. So let's look at the Australian GP salaries for DraftKings and then maybe give some picks, some ideas about how to build our lineups. It's still way too early. I've got more Fantasy F1 research that I need to do. And I need to watch these late night practices and watch this late night qualifying because the race is going to be at 1 a.m. Eastern time. Now, I'm not on the East Coast, but... Somehow I qualify for the East Coast. And so the race will be at 1 a.m. Sunday for me. Maybe it'll be late Saturday night for you. Maybe it'll be early Sunday morning, depending on where you're watching this. Crazy, exciting, going to be late now because we're going to watch the Martinsville race. And then we're going to go in from the Martinsville night race into the F1 race, Saturday into Sunday. Wild times for the Fantasy NASCAR and Fantasy F1 guys. But maybe you're just an F1 guy. Maybe you're a NASCAR guy. I don't know. Either way, please go to racefortheprize.com. That's race the number four, theprize.com. There's a red button here. It says Brandon Cruz DFS. That'll take you to patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. Brandon and I work together to gather resources, to analyze the data, to put it all together in a neat package to help you have more fun, a more pleasurable experience, and hopefully help you win money playing Fantasy F1 at DraftKings or Fantasy NASCAR at DraftKings. You want to buy both in a package. Maybe you just want to buy one. Maybe you just want to say, hey, I appreciate you. Appreciate you. Used to hear that all the time when I lived in the South. Appreciate you. Maybe that's what you want to say. And you just simply want to sign up for the Patreon and support this podcast. Support these YouTube videos. Please subscribe, share, like the videos. That's the very least that you can do. But you can go an inch further and maybe sign up at the Patreon for a month. No commitment necessary. Racefortheprize.com. And, hey, if you do sign up, then you get access to the spreadsheet that's going to help you build lineups. It's going to be some late nights this week in Australia. Are you going to stay up to 1 and 2 in the morning for practice and qualifying and all this? Let us do it for you. Allow us to help you Build your fantasy NASCAR lineup. Sign up at the Patreon, racefortheprize.com, and contribute. So the Australian GP, they have changed this track. So the reason I've got a lot more research to do, you've got a lot more research to do, but maybe you don't want to do the research. Maybe you just want to steal from me, take my notes. Then go to the racefortheprize.com and sign up, and I will do the work for you. I will watch the notes. I'll listen to all the podcasts. I'll watch all the videos, and I will summarize what you need to know, and then that will also be reflected in my projections. A lot of changes at Australia. Obviously, we haven't raced there since 2019. You can take that 2019 race with Valtteri Bottas, former Mercedes, winning at a street track that was notorious for limiting passing and overtakes. And so you can take that race, probably wad it up, and throw it in the trash. I don't believe... You can watch it again. I've watched it again, and I probably will watch it again. I don't know why. I really shouldn't. Uh, I might manage my time better. We'll see how it goes. I'm really going to watch practice. I'm really going to do all that stuff. Diving in, watching every driver's camera. I like, I, I encourage you, if you really want to know, like, this is very helpful for me to understand what was going to happen at Jeddah. I just went back and watched practice two and some of practice three and watched every single driver's on board and watched their laps and took notes and who was running where and how and then compared them. It's pretty over the top. Now, if you don't want to commit like that, then you can just pay 20 bucks, sign up at patreon.com slash DFS and let me do it for you. It was all there in the notes. 
explaining all the drivers and what they were doing on every single lap. It's amazing what kind of data we can dig into in F1 compared to the information you get in NASCAR. And NASCAR practice compared to F1 practice, they're not even in the same universe. Not Planet, no. Solar system, no. Universe, no. It's amazing. I don't have to tell the F1 guys. Maybe I do because F1 guys probably don't know how limited and how poor the information is in NASCAR. And I'm not trying to beat up on the NASCAR guys. Don't get me wrong. Some of the NASCAR people, I'm offended. I, you're talking too good about F1 and not good about NASCAR. Everybody just take it easy. It's simple. F1 has a good product and uh, they're both good products, but one just is presented better. How about we say that? They're both good products. NASCAR F1's great, but one corporation organization structure does a really good job at presenting that product. The other basically wraps the product in aluminum foil. It's like, you know, you get a, a birthday gift for someone. F1 is this amazing birthday gift and it's wrapped in the finest wrapping paper with the bow and ribbon. And there's this beautiful letter, uh, a card, and the card is written in stylized calligraphy. And it's just the most extravagant, amazing. Like, the product is good. The present was great, but the, the everything around it, the accoutrement around the present made it even better. Now you have this really good gift and you just wrapped it in aluminum foil and said, here's your gift. That's NASCAR. The packaging is terrible. Like, okay, well, you, you run the experience. All right, so off that tangent, let's look at the, not Saudi Arabia, the Australian GP salaries. Let's look at some picks. So real quick, I've got more resources for you. Got more. They have widened the track. They have repaved the track. They've added more overtaking zones because this track was notorious for limiting passing. So that's why I'm saying take that 2019 race, probably throw it out. Take that 2019 practice. Mean, they've changed the track. We've changed the cars. We're going to see passes everywhere. And the bigger thing is not three, but four DRS zones. And if you've been watching, hopefully you have been watching, you know that the DRS zones have been the thing. Race one, the showdown in Bahrain between Max and Charles Leclerc. Charles Leclerc outsmarts him in the DRS zones. Take two. Again, the showdown between Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen, it comes down to the DRS zones, and we saw the shenanigans. We saw the games of chicken played. Get used to it. We're going to see more crazy things happening under these DRS zones, especially in this new aerodynamic package. It will happen again. And you probably remember that. And so you should be prepared for round three of a slugfest, as I mentioned in my DK Nation article, which is available now. If you go to DK Nation, you can see my F1 rankings. They are free. I don't want to sign up for the Patreon. That's fine. DK Nation, free content. There will also be free videos at DK Live talking about Formula One later this week. And I will talk about Verstappen. I will talk about Leclerc. And we will talk about round three, a slugfest, as I mentioned in the article, between these two. And it will happen in these DRS zones again. So be prepared. We could see one guy completely run away with it. We could see them split the laps led. I don't see anyone else entering into the picture right now. But if you're also paying attention, then you know that in Jeddah at the street circuit, now this isn't going to be as fast as Jeddah, but it's going to be a little bit faster than Bahrain with more passing zones, more overtaking zones. And if you remember the Jetta race from two weeks ago, it wasn't just Max and Charles Leclerc battling it out in the DRS. There were passes and overtakes all throughout the track. 
based on these DRS zones. And we are going to see a lot of those guys in the midfield really battling it out and maybe surprising some. And then also some midfield drivers that we're really high on, that we really like, could absolutely disappoint because they just get overtaken in the DRS zones. You're going to see what I think is a very even playing field that whereas we got Leclerc and Verstappen very close together, and it's going to come down to those DRS zones, we're also going to see those battles in the midfield. And we could also see that the midfield guys leap over the Mercedes drivers, depending on the sets. Now, we want to see practice. Hopefully, Hamilton doesn't have an absolute jalopy again this week. If Hamilton has a car that is comparable to what George Russell has bringing, uh, has a setup similar to that, Whereas we don't have much upside on those guys, but they should still be able to suppress the midfielders. Maybe not, though. The four DRS zones at the Australian GP could be a great equalizer. We don't know. We've got to wait and see how much widening out the track, increasing the turns, the repaving, the DRS zones. There's just too many question marks, but still. That being said, let's dive into it and look at the salaries, look at the pricing. I like Max. You like Max. We all like Max. What more does he need to do to convince you? Amazing in round one. Made some mistakes. Attacking the DRS zones in the wrong spot. Maybe made some mistakes by not pushing it coming out. There were questions at Bahrain, but they were minor questions. You didn't doubt his talent. You really didn't doubt the car. You knew that, look, the Red Bulls, not really struggling with the porpoising issues, have the balance seem to have the downforce. Maybe they don't have the speed of the Ferraris, but they're good at other things. Seems like the balance was pretty good, pretty strong, that good race pace. We haven't had the opportunity before races to get a get our finger really on the pulse for the race pace for Ferrari because if you go back to Bahrain, you had Leclerc getting into the issue with Sonoda, and then you fast forward to the Jetta Street Circuit and both Sainz and Leclerc run into the wall and P2, so we don't really get a good idea of their race pace. And they go out in P3 and still turn laps, but there's all, there's been question marks the first two races. But, that being said, with the question marks hanging over the head of the Ferraris, and especially at Jeddah, if you remember, Carlos Sainz's car was having electrical issues. We didn't know if it was going to make the grid, right? Sonata, Sonata didn't make the grid. We were worried. I basically said last minute, I'm not playing Sainz. He ended up being fine. He got the car together. Now, he also benefits from Sergio's issues, but we'll talk about that in a second. But what I want to say is, yes, they had questions in practice at Bahrain, and they had questions at practice at Jeddah, but there were no questions in the race. Charles Leclerc was as fast as he needed to be. Carlos Sainz was as fast as he needed to be. He's not as fast as Charles Leclerc, but he's right there as well, and the cars lived up to expectations. Any of the worries that you had in practice from those two races were mitigated, were answered, were qualmed. And if we go into Australia, and again, for whatever reason, Ferrari doesn't show us race pace or they don't make the long runs, we probably shouldn't worry because we've already seen this two times before. All right, back to Max. He's answered all of your questions. He's done everything that you need to see him do. He really showed the development in what I really like was, for me, the biggest mistake, and they talked about this all week leading up to Jetta, was breaking down Max making the wrong moves going into the DRS zones. So then we fast forward to the showdown at Jetta, and it's Max, it's Leclerc, and okay, who's going to go 
after these DRS zones and in what order. And you saw them very strategic about, well, do I want to pass you here or do I want to wait and pass you on the next one? That's the kind of growth and development you want to see from Max Verstappen and the Red Bull team. And obviously, you want to see them get faster and you want to see him become a better driver. But you also want to see the strategy and the chess moves because that's really seems to be the only thing that's going to separate these two. Ferrari probably a little faster. But again, Red Bull has a couple other advantages of their own as far as driver's experience. You're going to have to give that to Verstappen, but it doesn't look like any lack of experience is hurting Leclerc in terms of like experience battling for wins. Uh, they've been battling each other since go-kart days. Um, that might be slightly overrated. Now, that might be a bigger factor as we get later in the season where now the championship stuff is starting to build and the pressure is coming. Verstappen and Red Bull are used to that. That'll be a new experience for Leclerc. That'll be a new experience for Ferrari. But right now, they're just trying to win races. So I don't think that there is too much of an experience edge for Verstappen. And after last week's chess match, we saw that Verstappen can definitely win the chess game. Round one of the chess match went to Charles Leclerc. Got him. Round two, Verstappen. Here we go in round three. Uh, Leclerc also can win. I don't mind either one of these prices. And I don't mind really trying to get both of them into my lineup if I can make it work. Because uh, right, if they both run well, one and two, and they both lead laps, um, and they both can beat their teammate, everything checks out. Uh, Carlos Sainz, I'll give him third. He has been a, he's a fourth place driver at Bahrain, but Checo has the issue with the, the fuel. Same thing with Verstappen. He finishes second. Last week or two weeks ago at Jeddah, Sainz was fourth again. This was Checo's race. Now, Checo would likely have been passed, and they went through the data. I can't remember what website it was. I think it was the race.com. Went through all the data and kind of tried to factor out what would have happened if there wasn't the safety car. And it looked like if the race kind of plays out without any odd events, which the odd event was that Checo Perez came down pit road, kind of undercutting himself. And as he boxed, there was a safety car. And so when everything cycled back out, Checo went from first to fourth. Now, it was very likely that Checo wasn't going to hold off Leclerc or Max Verstappen. But the race runs the data and shows that if this race probably would have played out, Checo had the pace that he should have finished third. But because he boxed right when the safety car came out, he finished fourth. Now, that means for the second week in a row, Carlos Sainz punched a little bit above his weight. Could he do it again? Well, look, he's not slow by any means. He is the third fastest car. It's him and Perez. I'm going to give Checo the edge. But the results say otherwise. Checo has just not got it done. It's not really been his fault. He's executed. I mean, you look lap by lap. Checo Perez has done every single thing he's supposed to do. It's just worked out for signs. So I think eventually it's going to swing back in his favor. I would put both of them at third, but the problem is with both of these drivers that Max is going to beat Checo most more often than not. I would project that, and so Max gets the bonus. And Checo's price has come up a little bit. Signs's price has come up a little bit. Uh, I will have a hard time getting to Signs. I will have a hard time getting to Perez because their prices have increased. They're not going to get the five points. I don't expect them to lead laps. Now this could change when we go through. Free practice two, and if Signs this week has the car to beat, or if Checo Perez has the car to beat, or through qualifying lands on the pole like last week, 
then yeah, if he's going to be on the poll, then it's definitely something we're going to consider. But if he's not on the poll, Signs or Perez, and if they're not faster, uh, discernibly faster in practice, then it's very easy to go to these guys and stay away. Uh, Hamilton is still way too expensive. I would imagine after two weeks working around the clock, as George Russell has said they have done, this car is going to be better. That being said, even if it's better, it's still not better than the Ferraris. It's still not better than Red Bull. It's just not going to happen this quickly. And it's also very likely that they're not that much better and that they will struggle and that Lewis Hamilton doesn't necessarily seem like he is completely involved or into it. I mean, you listen to his interviews, you see how things are going. It just seems like there's something slightly off. And at this price, I don't want it. 9400 is way too much for Lewis Hamilton. I'm assuming that this inflated salary is the result of really high ownership because he was starting in the back and people chase that place differential because they're still locked into fantasy NASCAR mind where place differential is a big deal. So F1 guys, if you're new, and hey, F1 guys, my name is Pierce Dietrich, and you can follow me on Twitter at Race for the Prize. You can find all of my DraftKings work at DK Nation. Just Google DK Nation, F1, Fantasy NASCAR, Fantasy MLB, NFL, NBA. I did Masters coverage this week. I will also be doing USFL content coming up. So if you want to get free fantasy sports information, then I'm your guy. Pierce Dietrich, at Race for the Prize on Twitter. So the reason why DraftKings probably boosted that salary up is it's Lewis Hamilton, so his name is going to get people to click, and that's going to boost his ownership. More people are familiar with Lewis Hamilton, so they play him, and if more people play him, ownership obviously increases salary. It's just the way that the algorithm works. The other thing is he was starting in the back, and again, people chase place differential. Fine to do in fantasy NASCAR, not necessarily something you need to do in fantasy F1. It's not a category that you can completely ignore. Place differential still scores points. It still pays points, and it's something that you have to keep in the back of your mind, but it's not front and center, and unfortunately, a lot of people were chasing those place differential points with Lewis Hamilton. And that inflated ownership. And so that is why his price is too high. No for me, dog. George Russell's salary is about at the same spot. George Russell is... You know what? I'm actually going to say here. I'm going to be a little aggressive just to see if we can get George Russell with a decent projection. That's not bad. Could George Russell beat Lewis Hamilton? Yeah, he's beat Lewis Hamilton twice now, right? No, once. He finished better than Lewis... At last week, and but the week before at Bahrain, Bahrain outraced him. We'll double check that, but barely, right? Both of them didn't particularly have good races at Bahrain. They benefited from the failure that went to Checo Perez. But hey, they've slotted into that third team, which seems to be where they're going to be for a little bit of the season. Could be worse. They could be battling with the midfield, which actually they kind of were last week. They'll get back close to the top, maybe by mid-season, but I don't think anytime soon that's going to happen. Anyway, I want to just see George Russell at a little bit lower of a price, so you give him the boost there. He ends up scoring 16 points, 1.9, not terrible, but I would rather save a little bit. Um, 
Because paying here for George Russell, it's going to make it really hard to get these top guys, and it's going to make it hard to get the constructor that you want, right? You're going to want to pick between Red Bull and uh, – you're going to want to pick between Red Bull and Ferrari, obviously. And it's going to be tough to afford either Red Bull or Ferrari if you are going with George Russell. Probably going to need to save a little bit more. Valtteri Bottas, like I mentioned earlier, 2019 winner here, but that was in a Mercedes. The car looks good. He's very happy with the car. Uh, Frank, Fred, Fred Vassar is very happy with the car. The Ferrari engine looks great. Did they suffer mechanical failure? Yeah, they also might have been able to push it at the end, but they decided the best choice was let's let's save the engine, let's retire early, make sure on the long run throughout the season, let's not burn an engine now. Let's also give ourselves a better chance at Australia. But before they shut it down at Jeddah, the car was fast. He looked good. He looked great. Do I? I got the laps here, don't I? Yeah, so we know that the race didn't work out for Batas, but so you look at the race, he's running in the top 10. It's okay. Not great, but he was there. Now, given that price, I don't know if I need it. We'll see. Let's see how practice goes. Price is a little bit higher. I think we can get equal speed, and especially if it's going to come down to these DRS zones, give me a car that's equal and then just gets the DRS advantage, and it's cheaper. I don't know if I really want to pay 8000 for, uh, or even 7800 for Kevin Magnussen when, yes, the Haas Ferraris are good, the Alfa Romeo Ferraris are good, but what if I can get someone close on speed that's significantly cheaper and just simply benefits from the DRS zones near the end of this race? It's something to think about. So you probably are going to overpay a little bit here for Batas. You might be overpaying a little bit for Magnuson. Now, give credit to Magnuson. I was worried. I didn't think he was going to make it through the race. Like, and I mentioned this in my DK Nation article this week. And think about all the adversity. You may not be excited that Kevin Magnuson finished, what, 10th last week? 9th? And I keep saying last week, but um, where did he finish? Oh, I thought he finished in the points. Finished ninth. Now, we had a lot of stuff went down when he finished ninth. Hamilton, the pit out of sequence, um, and had a bad car. Alonzo had a mechanical issue. Batas had a mechanical issue. Stroll and Albon, although he was ahead of those guys. Um, those are all guys that he was going to beat. So, either way, think about what Magnuson overcame. Didn't get any practice at all because of mechanical failures. Oh, well, they're perfect. He never ran at Jeddah before either. So this was a new track to him. He just jumped into the car. There are questions. He's a healthy guy, but, you know, F1, great, you're, you're in shape. But are you in F1 shape? So there's been question marks about, is he really ready yet? And you're basically thrown straight into the fire at Jeddah. And I'm sure you watched the onboard. I told you over and over, watch these onboards. It's intense. And even Magnuson said after a qualifying, like, I can't, I broke my neck. And he wasn't, I mean, yeah, he was exaggerating. He didn't literally break his neck. But there were legitimate concerns that can he make it through this race? Will he have to retire early? Can he withstand all the G-force? Is his body ready? And he didn't get any practice to get warmed up. Oh, by the way, his teammate blew up into a million pieces. 
And yet still, Magnussen managed to score points. Bravo to him. That being said, at the Australian GP, 8,000 or 7,800 might be a little steep. Uh, yeah, he's probably better than Mick Schumacher. You know, he is better than Mick Schumacher. But, I don't know, might be a little steep. We'll see. Pierre Gasly, what are we going to do with these Alpha Tories? This, they, so what has Gasly done? He blew up in the first race. And then last week, finished eighth, which is about where we think he can finish. But if it comes down to these DRS zones, he just needs a little bit more speed. He really could jump to seventh or sixth. This is where my interest is starting to be peaked a little bit. Let me look at these uh, Saudi Arabia laps for Gasly, and let's see how many laps did he run inside the top ten? Just half of the race. So he was right there on the wrong side, but he did run you know, when he needed to, got up to where he needed to be. Now, that being said, like, oh, well, Gasly, that's about where he should run. Whoa, 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 let's pump the brakes on that. Yeah, we kind of can slot Gasly into eighth place, but can we? Remember, he's clearly benefiting from a bad day by Hamilton. Look, Hamilton's not the old Hamilton, but Hamilton is not a 10th place driver. Hamilton does not look like the guy that was one lap away from winning the championship last season. We know that, but he didn't completely fall apart. As much as I'm worried about his mental preparation and how much he is committed to this season so far and dealing with the adversity, even with that cycling around, Hamilton's not a 10th place driver. So Gasly benefits from Hamilton just having the completely wrong setup and qualifying and having to deal and struggle with that car and then even pitting at the absolute worst time. Benefits from Magnussen. You know, like as I mentioned already, all the issues that Magnussen had. You go to Australia... After two weeks, more time to prepare, full practice sessions. Madison's better than a ninth place driver. Albon, not going to really do anything, but we like Albon. Uh, Valtteri Bottas is better than Gasly. So there's three drivers already that on most days are going to finish ahead of Gasly. So instead of Gasly finishing eighth, he finishes ninth, tenth, eleventh. Oh yeah, and I think you could fairly put Fernando Alonso in there as well. Four drivers. I think you definitely could put Fernando Alonso. The Alpine Renault engines have been excellent. As I mentioned in my DK Nation article, one of the stories that kind of got lost in the sauce. There's so much going on in Formula One. So many different storylines that we don't pay enough attention to. That Renault engine is looking pretty strong. And Esteban Ocon came out and talked about that again this week. There was a couple guys in the preseason I watched a ton of preseason ringing videos. I don't know which one it was. I wish I could give credit. They were English. Of course they were English, you idiot. All the F1 videos from YouTube influencers are English. I don't know which one it was. Wish I could give credit. But uh, one of the guys ranked Alpine really high because he was very high on the Renault engine. That's how I knew about it. So credit to that guy. There's tons of F1 content out there. You should definitely go try to find it. Thank you for coming here and watching mine. But there's tons of information out there and videos. And he talked about that. Fernando Alonso looked good. They were really battling 
Esteban and Alonso, and I kind of don't want them to because it's killing your fantasy team. It kills their team, right? It's slowing them down and opening the door for someone to pass them. And that actually happened because they were fighting. They opened the door and they both got passed. You'd like to see that not happen. But the fact that both the out, I mean, just stop, think. The Alpine cars are battling each other in the top 10. That's a win. That's a win for Alpine. The top 10, they are battling for points. Now, you would love for them to be battling other people, but hey, you got to walk, you got to crawl before you walk. Anyway, point being, going back to Gasly, there's at least four drivers that could have bumped him out of the points. So giving him the projection that I've given him, pretty aggressive, but again, it's early in the week, and I like to be aggressive. I like to open the door, open the possibilities. Uh, it's just kind of liberal with the projections. Now, as we get closer to race time, as we get closer to the lock, as we tick down Saturday night, after the cup race at Martinsville, which I suggest you guys watch, then we'll start to say, all right, let's be a little bit more realistic with this projection. Can Pierre Gasly really finish eighth based on what he did in free practice one, free practice two, based on his qualifying runs in round one and round two and round three if he makes it? Can he? That's where, and we start comparing it to other drivers and we're watching the onboards. And then you start to really dial it in and fine tune the projections, which you can get at racebeforetheprize.com or patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. And you can see, you can track in real time where my mind goes and the logic in which I make my evaluations and my analytics and my projections. Uh, Full disclosure, peeling back the curtain. This is the way that I've done it in my decade of doing fantasy racing. I am a spreadsheet guy. I like to look at the data. I like to look at the lap by lap. But I also marry that to context. It has to be contextual for me. Other people do it different. Some people are just spreadsheet warriors. Some people just run computer algorithms. Some people create computer models. Some people just look at results and just click in 150 lineups. I love racing. I love watching racing. I love watching the racing through the lens of data. So I marry the two. That's what you will get from me. Obviously, that's what you get from me. You can see me doing it. So I take the numbers, but I also match it to what I see. And the way that they're driving, the way that they're overtaking, and the way that they're running behind a guy. Are they being too aggressive? Are they being too passive? Are they being patient? Did they time the DRS zones right? What was the pit speeds? What was the pitch strategy? Did the undercut work? All of those things. I put it all together. You can do that, or you can just sign up and uh, steal my ideas. Esteban Akon has looked very good. Esteban Akon could battle with the Mercs. Right now, I cannot put the McLarens inside any further in the top 10. Eventually, they will get better, but the team is struggling. Period. They can limit their porpoising, but they lose speed. Uh, this is going to be a home race for Daniel Ricardo, but this just has not been his season. I'm sorry. I can't do it. Uh, that's a, that's probably a little too much for Lando. Wait and see. A lot of questions have to be answered, but they did not look good in testing. They had the issues in testing. They didn't look good at Bahrain. They didn't look good at Jeddah. What else do you want me to tell you? How are they going to get any better? 
how are they going to improve? Let's, uh, let me just double check and look at some of these Saudi Arabia laps to make sure. Lando did get points, but Lando, like Pierre Gasly, benefits from other drivers having mechanical issues. Finishes seventh, easily could have finished outside of the laps. Early in the race, when everybody is running, Lando is not in the top 10. Let's look at his, I got the times too. I mean, let's just compare some of these times that he's running. He wasn't fast in practice. Uh, it's not terrible, but he's slower. Noticeably slower. I mean, let's compare him to George Russell on lap 36. He is a second slower than George Russell. Where, so where's George Russell in your mind? Fifth, sixth place driver? Okay, well, let's take a second away from that. Like, so we've got Mercedes, which is about a second below Ferrari and Red Bull. And then you got McLaren, which is a second behind. And in between Mercedes and McLaren, you've got Alpine, you've got Alfa Romeo, which I think are on the ascent. We know Bottas is there. Wouldn't be surprised to see Joe get better. Uh, we know Haas is there. McLaren is just not there, right? McLaren was number four or even number three battling with Ferrari. Those days are over for now. McLaren will have its day. It will come back. They're not dead forever, but this isn't 2021 or 2020. They're not the third best team. They're not the fourth best team. They're not the best of the midfield. They're not the best, second best of the midfield. They just are not. But maybe we'll see some things out of them at practice. Maybe they've discovered something. We've got an extra week to prepare. We'll see. But And there's going to be a steep learning curve. Someone put this graphic up. It's in the notes. Let me see if I can find it. What are the odds I pull this uh, up in the notes as quick as I want to? It's very unlikely. Um, look, there's your DRS zones. So again, all of my notes are here if you ever want to check it out. Let me see the odds. Uh, I'm never going to find it. Either way, uh, someone just basically showed like with a new package and in year one of a new package, it's going to flatline and there's not going to be very many developments and everybody will discover stuff towards year three, four or five. But in the first year of this new aero package, there's going to be tons of gains every single week. And McLaren could absolutely jump back into it. Probably not. But at the same time, Red Bull could make another discovery and become that much more faster. Or Ferrari could discover something and become that much more faster. It's going to be very steep, the learning curve, with this new package. So some people might pull away fast, which we've kind of seen. But we might also see teams catch up really quickly. And I'm saying that because, well, let's see how practice goes. Before you completely stick a fork in McLaren and say they're done, they're toast, let's see practice. If McLaren struggles once again in practice... It's an easy, no way, no play for me. It's getting closer, though. At 6,400, it's getting closer. I would like Ricardo, based on what he's done this season, to be a little bit more cheap, but still. It is his home race, but if you watch the 2019 home race for Ricardo, uh, he wrecked about five seconds and went into the grass, ripped his wing, ripped the nose off, or the front wing. So that was cool. Alonzo is right there with Akon. I'm going to give Akon the boost, but it could be Fernando Alonzo. And at times, it was Alonzo. I believe Alonzo was running better than Akon. We'll pull that up. But Alonzo's car does not make it to the end. 
Let's see. I mean, you had this really good battle here. Let me see if I can get them both on the screen. Where is Alonzo? There's Alonzo. There's Akon. Okay. See so this really good battle. Akon in 11th. Alonzo in 9th. I think Batas was there too as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So they're battling each other. And it looks like Akon takes the lead. But then we've got Alonzo back out front, battling back and forth. We'd really like, oh, that's Bahrain. What are you doing? What am I doing? I'm looking at Bahrain. I want to look at Jetta. Okay. So Alonzo's right there. Am I going to be able to fit them both on the screen? Hopefully. All right, there's the battle I was talking about. I was like, what a second. I thought they were running closer. Anyway, here it is. Akon's in fifth. Alonzo's in seventh. And then you get Alonzo passing Akon right here, battling back and forth. It's pretty awesome. And actually opens the door for Batas to come in there. And I think he slides in front of both of them. Or was it Magnuson? It was Magnuson. They're all battling, which is awesome. It's going to be exciting in Australia seeing these midfield. Haas, Alfa Romeo, Alpine. That's like, one. We got to decide. Is it going to be Verstappen or Leclerc? Okay. Try to get both. All right. Well, then this midfield is very even. And we may see the best car in practice actually finish the worst just because of the way the, the DRSs go. Or maybe even an undercut and overcut. But the point is that Alonzo and Akon were very close. And technically, before Alonzo had his issue, he was better than Akon. So I really should project Alonzo to be better. And Alonzo, that was pretty good though too, because he wasn't really great at Bahrain, had some issues. Akon was better at Bahrain. Alonzo was better at Saudi Arabia. I'm still going to go with Akon. Uh, but how much cheaper is that's really significant. Let's go. Let's let's be aggressive. Let's give the the, the better position to Alonzo over Akon, and that's gonna put him in the optimal lineup more than likely. All right, let's do a couple more as we wrap up. Uh, I like the price. The problem that I have with Mick Schumacher, the price is good. I think he can knock on the door of a top ten. The issue I have is he's got to beat Magnuson, and Magnuson looks really good. Magnuson looks better. Right now, as I record this, it's Magnuson, and it's going to be hard to play McSchumacher. I would rather try to get to Fernando Alonso because Alonso can get that teammate bonus. It's going to be hard for Mick to get that. But let's pause that and say, put a sticky note. Let's see how practice goes. Let's see if Mick looks really fast in practice. Let's see if Mick qualifies in front of Magnuson. And if he does, then it's worth considering. We know what was Mick's issue at... I have to go back to the Bahrain notes. But I remember he had something that kind of held him back a little bit at Bahrain. Obviously, he didn't race at Jeddah. But he was medically cleared. They just didn't have a car. And they decided, hey, we can scramble and try to get this car ready, get a car ready for Jetta, but if we do, we know that's going to really put us behind in our uh, development and our process for Australia. So they just decided everything that's going on, we're just going to not race this and just make sure that we're prepared for Australia. Uh, Joe is not, um, I mean, 12. Look, Joe, has, is he finishing every race? Sorry, could you say that again? 
is he finishing every race? He absolutely is. Um, is he looking better than a pay-to-play driver? He absolutely is. Are the Alfa Romeo Ferraris looking good? They absolutely are. Uh, could we have asked for more from Joe? Not really. But he, he scored points in his first race. And no, he almost scored points in his first race. No, he did score points. He did. He got points in his first race and almost did it in the second race. The only thing that you could complain about him is that they um, they got penalized and they made some mistakes. And I think some of those were highly questionable of how they got penalized by the stewards. So if he can clean up these mistakes that he is making, then all right, well, there's two things. So cleans up the mistakes, which that's easy, right? It's much harder to find speed. It's much harder to find balance. It's much harder for a driver to get comfortable. Here he is, two races in F1. Not bad. He's run every lap. Look, there's better drivers that have not. Look, Checo Perez has not run every lap. Max Verstappen has not run every lap. It's just the facts. Plenty of very good drivers have not completed both races. He has. His teammate, Bottas, has not completed every lap. Joe has done what he needs to do. And I would say he's done more than what he needs to do. Two things, clean up the penalties, the mistakes, that's easy. The second thing, this is not his fault, but they're having that clutch issue, which is causing him to lose too many spots at the beginning of each race. It got him again. Bothos didn't suffer from it at Jeddah. He did at Bahrain, but it hit that clutch vibration or whatever, not allowing him to shift through the gears, whatever it is. Hopefully they fix that. That's two races now. Now, if you fix it, and he doesn't start in a big hole, and he's going to have a much better chance of scoring points. Can he beat Bottas? Probably not. That's the problem with him in fantasy. But fantasy aside, looks good. Looks good for the team Alfa Romeo overall. Yuki Tsunoda, we don't know what to do. Didn't even run a lap. Question marks everywhere with Tsunoda. There were question marks last year. It seemed like, oh, maybe he was kind of... Look, at, at the very least, that... Like, there were question marks going into the offseason with Sonoda. But uh, you had reason to believe that things were going to be better. Well, now two races in, there are more question marks, and we don't really know if we're going up or down in the development cycle. And, you know, with Red Bull and being a part of their development team, and as cutthroat as Red Bull is, the clock is ticking. The pressure is mounting. And Sonoda has to be aware that there are plenty of good drivers in that stable, young drivers. I mean, he was one of the guys who was moved up and someone else was kicked aside. We know how it works. It's very competitive. And at some point, it's going to be somebody else in that car. So put up or shut up. This is a big week for him. Now, it's not his fault. It was a mechanical failure last week that limited his practice time, that prevented him from racing. So we don't want to completely bury Sonoda because it's not like he was making mistakes. Now, he has made plenty of mistakes during practice, but whatever. Um, Sebastian Vettel, Sebs, Hulkenberg was pretty good in this car. Now, Hulkenberg also benefits from all the chaos last week. Lance Stroll was going to be Hulkenberg. Hulkenberg uh, played games on pit road, did different pit strategy, almost made it work. It didn't work. Didn't have the speed. Didn't look good. Stroll was better than him. But Albon and Stroll wreck each other at the end. You have all the mechanical failures. And so you see the Aston Martin get a much better finish than it deserves. The Aston Martins do not look very good. Stroll has been the better of the two. But 
we haven't really seen that because Stroll and Vettel haven't raced. We've seen Stroll beat Hulkenberg. Hulkenberg got called in last minute. So Stroll obviously was going to beat Hulkenberg at Bahrain. Stroll obviously was going to be, I mean, Stroll was joking around, not even joking around, but he knew that like, there's just no way Nico's going to jump into this car last minute and run well. And then you fast forward to the next week at Jeddah. And again, it couldn't be a worse two race setup for him. Nico didn't have any experience as far as I can't remember off the top of my head, but to be thrown in last minute, wasn't a, a good situation again, but because of the Stroll Albon wreck and then all the failures, Nico looked fine. Sebs should be fine, but I, I just I don't see it with these cars. The cars are not good. Alexander Albon is probably 16th. Lance Stroll is probably 14th. And Latifi is just your punt at 19. That's where I'm standing. So it looks like Sebs is going to be. It's going to be, again, last week was decided on Stroll versus Hulkenberg. Stroll versus Hulkenberg. I liked Hulkenberg. I went back to Stroll ultimately making a decision after watching the laps. I watched all the laps of Hulkenberg in practice and Stroll, and I realized Stroll's faster. Like, I like Hulkenberg. I think he's going to be better this week. But And I was high on him in the show, but then I changed my mind and said, now it's going to be Stroll. And I was right. Stroll was much faster than Nico Hulkenberg. Unfortunately, Stroll got wrecked at the end, and those Nico Hulkenberg lineups ended up winning in the end. So my original thought was correct, although it was wrong, right? The original reason I liked him couldn't be verified. There was no evidence. Was like, oh, I think he could be better this week. Everyone wants to play Stroll. And I had more game theory reasons to play him. It wasn't based on speed at all. I mean, it was, but I didn't have a fine-tuned understanding yet of his speed. Once I really understood the speed, then I went on Stroll, and it was clear throughout the Saudi Arabia race, Stroll was much faster. It wasn't even close compared to Nico Hulkenberg. But he got in a wreck at the end, and so it ended up being, hey, whatever. It doesn't matter. Sometimes you can look at all the data right, and you can watch all the laps and make all the right predictions, but then wrecks happen. That's a fantasy. Um, so it looks like it probably was going to come down again to Seb and Lance Stroll being the value plays. So uh, the advice that I wish I would have taken is just build more lineups last time. Build more lineups. Build more Nico lineups, more Stroll lineups. That would be my advice this week if you're playing at DraftKings. If you like Stroll or you like Vettel, that's fine. You're just going to need to double up those lineups is where I think you're going to want to be at this point in time. All right. Thank you for joining me here on the Fantasy F1 podcast. Please like the videos, subscribe to the videos, check out the the podcast platforms, go to racefortheprize.com, click on the red button, and then go to patreon.com slash brandoncruzdfs, and you can become a Patreon and support this podcast. And just say, hey, appreciate you. I want to support the work that you are doing. It's great. It's fun. It's exciting. Is it really? I don't know. But I, Pierce Stitcher, will be the most viewed fantasy racing analyst, and I, Pierce Stitcher, will be a top-selling Amazon author. I do affirmations because they work. They do work and big future, big hopes, big goals. And I hope that you can be a part of that. And a lot of that comes from leaving comments. I respond to all the comments. I appreciate your support financially. I appreciate you just watching. I appreciate the views. I really honestly do. It helps me work harder. It helps me create more content. It helps me analyze the data. It forces me to watch one more lap, one more lap. You know what? I can watch that drivers on board. You know, I've watched uh, 17 drivers. Watch 18. And I do that. I go that extra mile for you. I do that because I know that you appreciate it and you like it and you want to see the notes and you want to have access to all this stuff. And you can get it at raceforthepride.com for 20 bucks. There's no commitment. You don't have to pay it till 
the end of time. Maybe you do it once, you don't like it, that's fine. You come back and you watch the free videos. But maybe you just want to do it once just to say, hey, I gave the guy 20 bucks because he makes these videos and he helps me out. For one time, at least I can put 20 bucks in his pocket and say, hey man, thanks for you know showing me a good time. For giving me some exciting F1 content. Thank you for introducing me to F1. Or thanks for, you know, I already love F1, but thanks for introducing me to a new element, a new side of it at DraftKings through fantasy. And you just want to reward me for really trying to help you out. Thank you. I appreciate it. I hope you appreciate it. Let's trip the lights. Fantastic.